Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, brought to you by the Sportsman Channel. All hunting, all fishing, all the time. Contact your local network provider and ask about the Sportsman Channel today. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Christian Berg. Hello and welcome to another episode of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting and we're glad, as always, that you've taken some time to join us today more of the latest and greatest bow hunting information. Today, our guest is Craig Yaley. He is uh, the leader of the research and development team at Bowtech. Uh, Craig, thanks for being here today, taking some time to uh, spend with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Craig, uh, you and I actually had a chance to spend some time together just a few weeks ago out in Oregon, uh, where Bowtech is headquartered. Uh, you guys had a few people in from around the country for uh, an Oregon turkey hunt with the new Destroyer bow, and that was a pretty good time, man. I want to thank you for uh, having us out there. You're welcome. You come out anytime you want, and uh, hopefully we'll do that one again. Uh, it was a good time. Yeah, and you actually <clears throat> managed to take a pretty nice bird, as did I, right? Yep, we, got, uh, we went four for eight, so I think that's pretty good for a day and a half worth of hunting. Yeah, four for eight in a day and a half. I mean, you guys have a lot of birds in that area. I don't know. Uh, well, that would basically be the Elkton area. I know that's where we stayed. I, what do you guys actually call that region of the state there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, southwestern Oregon, I guess. It's uh, the Umpqua River Basin. Uh, pretty well known for having a lot of birds if you're from around here. But once you leave Oregon, nobody nobody hears much about it. Yeah, I mean. Uh, there are a ton of turkeys in there. Absolutely. I mean, I must have seen... Honestly, and uh, I didn't even hunt the second day because I, I tagged my bird the first morning. A uh, nice two-year-old bird with an eight-inch beard. And then I spent the rest of the day running around with our guide and uh, Joe Bell from Bow and Arrow Magazine. And he had uh, several close calls later in the day. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to get it done. But we must have seen like 200 turkeys that day. And I literally called in no fewer than a dozen long beards over the course of the day and uh yeah you're right man i mean if people are looking for a sleeper destination for turkey hunting check out the umqua river area of uh southwest oregon man there there's a couple outfitting services and it was it was an eye opener and some beautiful country too i mean we saw elk and columbia whitetail and and blacktail deer and I know you have a lot of bears and cougars in the area, so awesome stuff, man. I didn't get to see your bird, Craig, yeah. because you were you were off hunting in a different area. How how big was your bird, and what, how'd your hunt go? Uh, my bird wasn't quite as nice as yours, but uh, it was uh, a younger Tom, basically a two-year-old Tom, uh, a little short bird, kind of actually beat up a little bit, but uh, he made the mistake of coming in range, so I took him out. Yeah, you can't look, uh, like, like you said, when you have a day and a half to hunt, you don't look too many gift, gift horses in the mouth, right? Yeah, um, uh, it, was, it was a great time. Yeah, it was good, too, and that, you know, just great being able to spend some time with you guys in, in that setting, and, and so, yeah, you wined us and dined us and showed us some birds, but we all know that your ulterior motive for that trip was to uh, give us a chance to experience the, the new Destroyer bow, your flagship bow for 2010, and, uh, I have to Absolutely. say, it was pretty sweet. I mean, you know, it's funny. We actually spent a day at the factory um, 
before our hunt and you let us actually put together our own destroyers and then we customized these things at your pro shop there right at the factory got sighted in spent a couple hours practicing and it, and it was off to hunt and that's kind of unusual because we wouldn't typically you know recommend craig you know for somebody to go buy a bow say the day before the season and get out there and hunt but uh yeah it it came together quick and you know to be able to do that and then go out the next morning and just put a laser beam shot you know on a gobbler at 30 yards i actually you know got a complete pass through on that bird that i shot and it, it was dead on you know and it was kind of cool because it, it felt good and joe was sitting there in the blind next to me and he was like oh man you just smoked that bird and uh it, you know it always feels good when that happens uh, Oh, yeah. Of course, we're going to claim it was the bow. Yeah, exactly. Of course you are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm lobbing you a softball here anyway. So, obviously, you know, even, a, even you know, a, a muck like me could pick up that destroyer and, and do halfway decent here in a short period of time. Tell me a little bit about the destroyer. What is it uh, about the bow uh, that you think makes it so shootable? Well, we basically what we did was we spent quite a bit of time engineering accuracy and forgiveness into that bow um it uh the trends we were seeing in the market were you know speed 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 and uh people are i know other companies whatever taking some steps to address you know some of the criticality and forgiveness issues that come with all that speed but we we thought you know um speed seems to be coming back we thought there was an opportunity to really um uh, address some of the you know, if speed's coming back, that's what that's what the consumer's asking for. That's what the market was asking for. We wanted to make sure that when we brought a bow to market that we weren't, you know, just throwing all into speed. We wanted to have a well-rounded uh, hunting bow that shot well, and, and if it was fast, great. And so in keeping with that, um, we designed the destroyer with some key technologies like the overdrive binary cam system, hardcore limb system, and the flex guard. All, all are geared towards... Uh, Accuracy first, and then performance. Um, so, like the flex guard, you know, is basically designed to take the lateral knock travel out for improved forgiveness. Um, the uh, overdrive binary cam system, uh, with the basically adds a split harness to a binary cam system, so you've got a perfectly synchronized cam system, and now you've got the stability of the split bus and tunability and adjustability of the split bus system. So you can really, and that's you know part of the reason. Hopefully that, you know, you guys were able to sight the bows in and then basically go shooting or hunting the next day um, is that platform lends itself really well towards um, setting up very quickly, tuning very quickly, um, tuning for anybody with just about any setup and then then staying there and and being stable. Gotcha. So so we're we're pretty happy with the the bow. It's been selling really well and, and the market seems to have really liked it. Yeah, you um, you know, and, and it is, uh, like you said, a lot of new technology and really was a pretty big shift from the, the platform that you had had the past couple of years because the destroyer goes away from the sort of the center pivot riser and the split limbs that Botech had been, you know, uh, highlighting for a couple of years. Uh, let's take a, a quick, a closer look at these technologies. Um, you mentioned the hardcore limbs. Um, tell me a little bit about more about the limbs on the destroyer, these hardcore limbs. What makes them unique, and and how does that kind of play into the uh, the efficiency, the effectiveness of of the way that they work? 
Okay. The uh, hardcore limb system, um, to, to understand, you know, why it's better, uh, you have to understand what the objective is. Now, if, if you're designing a limb system, of course, it, the first thing that jumps out of you is it has to be durable. So, um, and then, then there's some other objectives that, that aren't necessarily quite as clear. Obviously, if you want a fast bow, um, you need a reasonable level of efficiency, or you're going to have to store a ton of, of energy. It's going to make a harsh draw. So it, the new limb system has to assist in efficiency. Um, the uh, other things that some people you know, maybe aren't quite as aware of is that um, a, limb, a limb can have a direct effect on the noise of the bow. It can have a lot of effect on the vibration, shock. Um, you can control all that to some extent with limb geometry. And so uh, an ideal limb is durable. Um, it's uh, extremely lightweight, uh, stiff, and uh, is capable of storing a lot of energy in a small, lightweight platform, basically. Mm-hmm. If you have a if you have a bow that's capable, if you have a limb, I should say that's capable of storing a lot of energy in a small lightweight platform, the limb will respond faster. If the limb responds faster, efficiency goes up. At the same time, if it's small and lightweight, when when the limb recovers, it doesn't uh, pop the string as much, doesn't add as much vibration to the bow. So all the all the objectives that the bow hunter wants, the the lower noise, the lower shock, the higher speed, it's all satisfied by having a, a limb that has a higher dynamic response or a faster dynamic response. Gotcha. So with the uh, hardcore limb system, what we did is in order to shrink the size of the platform without exceeding the stress uh, or shrink the size of the limb without exceeding the maximum stress of the materials, uh, the what we did differently, and this is where it's different than other limbs, is we actually increased the modulus of the material used in the center section of the limb. What's the mod- what does that, does what does that is, mean? You increase the modulus. Oh, I'm sorry. The modulus? <laughs> the modulus is the stiffness of the material. Okay. <laughs> so basically, yep. Sorry, I get out there. That's sometimes. for late. Yeah, that's uh, for the non-engineering types among us. Yeah. So the so, so the material inside, on the inside of the limb, is actually stiffer than the material on the outside. And what that does is it actually increases the amount of energy stored inside the limb, uh, compared to other limb systems. So in doing so, now now we have the ability to store more energy within that the size of that limb, the volume of that limb. Yeah, and that's basically um, the the core, the middle section of the limb, which is a some kind of a fiberglass carbon composite. Is that right? The uh, core is is uh, is carbon. Okay. And then on the outside, we use so we have uh, S glass that we use on the tension layer, and then. Uh, we have actually an aluminum plate that goes under that as a stiffener to the fork area. That's uh, accuracy and durability oriented, the, the uh, aluminum stiffener is. And from there, we go into carbon. And then underneath the carbon, on the compression side of the carbon, we have two layers of uh, E-glass, which is so the S-glass material used in tension is very strong in tension. It's repeatable. Its modulus is repeatable in tension. Its stiffness is repeatable, I should say. Um, so it's a, it's a good selection in tension. It's very strong. Uh, the carbon in the core, it's there because it's stiffer and it's strong. It also has the benefit of being very lightweight, so that aids in its response. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some inherent damping properties. Gotcha. And then if you go into the, into the compression side where the E-glass is, E-glass is not generally regarded as the premium material that the S-glass that we use in the tension layer is. However, in compression, uh, the two are nearly identical as far as material properties, the E-glass typically has slightly lower properties, but it's much more consistent. 
So from a consistency perspective, from one lens to the next, uh, e-glass is a better choice in compression. So, and then in between all these layers, we have a fiber, woven fiberglass that reinforces the the um, glue lines and basically makes the limb torsionally stiffer. Um, so when you put it all together, what you get is a, a very durable limb with with incredible response. And um, for us, I mean, it's a it's also a a very expensive limb, but uh, the consumer these days wants the best, and that's what we're trying to give them. So you guys came up with the secret sauce for making these limbs that would basically store more energy and also do it in a in a way that's efficient and also pleasant to shoot, sort of in layman's terms, right? That, that was what we're that's what we're after. We're trying to satisfy the needs or wants of the consumer. And uh, so now let's move on to uh, the overdrive binary. Um, this is. Again, uh, to a layman like me, okay, I look at this yep. this cam just in terms of the the overall shape is somewhat of a teardrop. Um, you know, obviously there's some other speed bows on the market that have, you know, a similar shape, but obviously it's not the same cam system. Um, but but it does look maybe at least you know to, again to the layman like me more similar to those than say the cams that you guys had. You know, like on the Admiral, which was last year's flagship bow. Why did you go to this new shape? Is it designed to basically load faster to store more energy? And how did you guys do one that might look similar to those others, but obviously shoots, you know, more smoothly than than some of those do? Uh, what's fundamentally the shape of the cam is I don't know. It's uh, basically a scaled-up version of some other profiles actually that we've done in the past. Okay. Um, the uh, it's a little more skeletonized and some other stuff uh, using some simulation software or call it FEA. Uh, you can simulate the loads being applied to it and optimize the the uh, cutaways and stuff, the cutouts. Um, and then we we also use a premium material on that, uh, a higher grade alloy. Basically, costs three times as much as what we what is often used on cams. Mm -hmm. But what it does is lets us really skeletonize it, make it lightweight, so it's, you get a faster response. Um, the fundamental to the overdrive system compared to other um, systems out there that you might be looking at, um, the top and bottom cam on an overdrive binary cam system are truly symmetrical. So you got the exact same profile on top and bottom. Um, the reason that's important is that if uh, you got the same thing going on on the top and on the bottom, you inherently get better knock travel, both statically and dynamically. Mm -hmm. So if you not only when you draw the bow back, but when you shoot it and things are turning at a million miles an hour. Um, the uh, when you have the exact same profiles on top and bottom, they behave the same. So what that does, um, so what we've got there is we've got a binary cam system where the top and bottom cams are are slave to each other, um, just in the same way that older binary cam systems were. But then we added the split bus. Um, the way we're able to add the split bus cable harness um, in order to stiffen and stiffen up the system and allow the tuning and uh, adjustability that come with the split bus cable harness was to add this uh, synchronizing axle. So what we did on the overdrive binary was basically replace what uh, used to be a let out spool on the cam with this eccentric synchronizing axle. And in doing so... Uh, yeah, and let, let's we, stop there just to kind of give people okay. a heads up. You know, if you haven't, if you're, right. if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen... 
you haven't seen the destroyer or seen a picture of it, you can you can get on www.botecharchery.com and get a, some up close uh, photographs and also diagrams of the overdrive uh, binary cam. And and what Craig is talking about now is basically instead of you know drilling a hole through the under your limbs and mounting the cams there as you typically find on most bows you guys have actually basically used small brackets and on the top of the top limb and on the bottom of the bottom limb you've actually got the axle bolted onto the outside of the limb and the uh, axles yeah. goes go through the cam there and there's actually uh, splines like gears if you will that are on that uh, on those axles that ride uh, in the housing and, and, and basically keep those cams uh, from there's no possibility basically of any cam slippage there with with that system that you have I'll turn it back to you now Craig I probably said too much already and got no, something it's wrong <laughs> it's a it's a tough system to explain uh, audibly it's hard enough to explain when you're actually holding the product in your hand but uh, basically, what it does, though, is it provides unequivocally, unequivocally, the best-in-class knock travel, uh, best-in-class tunability, best-in-class, best-in-class uh, stiffness of the uh, cam assembly on the end of the bow. So, essentially, what it guarantees is extremely true and extremely tunable uh, horizontal knock travel, and that's that's critical to accuracy. Sure. Um, so if you look at it in the in the bigger picture, you know, what's this do for the bow? If you're shortening up brace heights and adding speed, uh, those things become more and more critical. So we've addressed uh, those those factors by building this more accurate cam system. Gotcha. And, and then the last thing that would be sort of of the big three, so to speak, the big three new technologies that you guys have introduced with the Destroyer would be the, uh, the Flex Guard, which... Uh, Again, for those who haven't seen the destroyer, it, it, it's basically where your cable slide or your your roller guard would be on other bows. Uh, there's a small instead of a, a like an aluminum rod that comes off the riser. There's a small flexible limb that's actually made out of the same materials that Botech builds its you know bow limbs out of. So it's flexible, and then there's a small uh, basically roller. Uh, on the end of that, and and the cables ride in those rollers, and as you draw the bow, uh, that limb actually flexes in towards the center of the riser as you get to full draw, and then when you release, uh, obviously it then, the, as the tension on the cables uh, diminishes, it, it goes back out to its at-rest position, and the, the purpose of that, Craig, is essentially to reduce torque on the system, right? It reduces the inherent torque that's uh, put into a riser by a cable guard system. Uh, keeps the riser pointed at the target. And you guys did some testing, I know, in the lab. Like, what sort of a percentage of improvement on torque are you getting with that flex guard as opposed to, uh, you know, like a standard cable containment system? Oh, what we did in the testing was basically compared it to any number of bows out there on the market and. Uh, Essentially, drew it back, drew the bow back with a laser on it, and you can see, uh, with respect to the direction the bow's pointing before you start drawing the bow, and, and when you finish drawing the bow, uh, you can 
basically see how much the riser is torqued with this laser. Mm-hmm. If you go to the, the video, which is available on our website, www.bowtecharchery.com, you can uh, see there's a, a, about, it depends uh, which specific model you're looking at, but about a 40 to 60% reduction in the uh, torque imparted, or, uh, imparted on the riser through the cable guard. So it's, it's a significant reduction. You're talking cutting it in half, basically. Yeah, that that is impressive, and and you know, like I said, uh, you know, I'm no engineer, and and you know, certainly couldn't uh, wouldn't be a very good you know productive member of Craig's R and D team at Botech. What I can tell you is, uh, you know, when you get the destroyer in your hand, and you know, you you get yourself a sight and a rest on there, and and you start flinging arrows, it uh, it is surprisingly uh smooth and quiet and 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 dead in the hand for a bow that has depending on which model you choose an IBO speed rating of either uh 340 or 350 feet per second and and I guess we should touch on that quickly too Craig uh I know uh I actually chose to go with a destroyer 340 and uh I think most of the folks who were out on the trip went with the uh 350 uh, I think, if I recall correctly, from when we put those together at the factory, there's really no uh, major difference in the two bows, other than you know the riser and just uh, basically where one screw goes in when you put the cams together, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just the module adjustments a little different. The riser, it's a different riser, and then uh, I mean, a very slight string and cable difference. Uh, gotcha. But otherwise, it's uh, they're pretty much the same bow. And the brace uh, and the brace height then on the 340 is seven inches, and and the 350 is six. So correct. Yep. That that would be your your most noticeable difference. But axle to axle length is is the same on both, right? Yeah. Yeah. 32 and five eighths. Three eighths. Um, inches. Is it five eighths or three eighths? Three eighths says three eighths on question. your website. Is it okay? Yeah, that could be. I I got a lot of numbers to try and keep in my head. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, I, the the one the one thing that we like people to have is that the takeaway on the destroyer is that um, it's not your conventional speedboat. We didn't want to design a a speedboat for the sake of speed. We wanted we wanted to make sure that we had every other attribute and best in class accuracy before we stepped into speed and and uh, just by some of the other premium attributes, the exotic alloys, the the exotic materials that are in the uh, cam system and whatnot, the speed came as a bonus. Uh, but it's it's definitely not it's it's a shooter's bow. It's not a it's not a flat out a one category speed bow. It's a speedy bow, but it's not a speed bow. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Yep, yep. It's <laughs> it's a fast bow. It's very fast. It's also quiet. It's tame. It's easy to shoot. So that's that's what we that's what we're after is the the hunter's bow. Quiet, tame, easy to shoot. Something to have fun with, and don't just shoot through a chronograph. And uh, and you said it's been selling well. Obviously, you guys kind of uh, unveiled this, you know, last winter. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the kind of feedback you guys are getting about the destroyer, and and what seems to be, you know, most popular among amongst the folks that are shooting it? Uh, it's our feedback. I mean, has been super positive. Um, what people are liking about it is uh, they've seen the issues in the past. You know, so as, as people have gotten more and more aggressive on speed uh, in the last few years, people have seen some of the issues. Uh, 
come with tuning, uh, riser torque, um, just not being able to shoot the groups they were used to and whatnot. Um, people are really happy that most, you know, every, all of that stuff's pretty much been addressed in this bow, and so now you've got that fast bow that shoots just like, you know, the old 310 foot a second bow used to. It's just a whole lot faster. And so that's been, you know, the great positive feedback. And then intuitively, when you look at the different technologies, uh, you look at the overdrive binary cam system. Uh, if you're a guy that understands how cam systems work, you look at it and intuitively go, wow, hey, that's it. You know, that's that's how that's the right way to do it. And so uh, the feedback there has been real positive. Um, people have a lot of confidence in the system because it, it's all intuitive. It, it really works. And it shows up at the range when you go to shoot it. It drives tax. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice, uh, nice in the hand. So we've had very positive feedback. So, uh, well, that's great. And, and you know, I, I've kind of said my piece on, on, you know, what I think about the Destroyer. And, and I, I obviously, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really sweet bow. And um, yeah, so I'm glad to hear that you're doing well with it. Now, I'm kind of curious, Craig, uh, how long have you been with, with Bowtech and uh, uh, leading, you know, sort of, you're sort of the, the chief bow designer there, right? Yeah, uh, I'm the lead designer for both for the Bowtech product line. Yep, uh, the uh, I've been at Bowtech since uh, let me see, beginning let me see, be February of 2005. So I've been here a while. So almost like, uh, like five years. And yep. uh, and um, I just I'm curious because um, what would be like the first you know major bow that you actually designed at Bowtech? Uh, heavily involved in designing a lot of the two, basically the 2006 product line was my, where I started. Uh, the first thing that I really designed for Bowtech, I guess it would be, or the first thing I brought to the table, I guess was, uh, before I worked at Bowtech, I, uh, developed a prototype bow, which ultimately became the binary cam system. Gotcha. Um, so I, I built that and brought it to Bowtech, showed them they liked it and have been using the technology ever since. So was that 2006 when they introduced that then? Uh, they introduced that in 2005. I actually first started doing some stuff with Bowtech in early 2004. Gotcha. And so what and was then, what uh, was like the first, what was that big bow that year and when they introduced the binary cam? What, what, what do they call that one? That was the 2005, would have been 2005 Allegiance, would have probably been the flagship model. Gotcha. And that was kind of a, made a big splash back in that day. So if you've been um, following, actually, so if you've been following Bowtech for a while, pretty much everything since the Allegiance has had Craig's fingerprints on it, right? Yeah, the 2005 model year, I had a hand in the cam systems, and then after that, 2006, I was pretty heavily involved in, uh, and then 2007 and on was, uh, yeah, very in, you know, lead on most projects. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. They're they're forward. So, so, uh, yeah, it's been, so, been interesting. So you, so you do this for, you know, year after year after year, and, and uh, you know, you've been doing good work. Uh, folks who read the magazine know that, uh, you know, last year I shot an Admiral, which I really, really enjoyed. I, At the time, you know, I kind of considered that the about the nicest bow I had ever had and had tremendous success with the Admiral, which is you guys are still offering in the line. Uh, you know, killed a great buck in Missouri, killed a couple 
nice caribou up in Quebec and, and just really enjoyed shooting that. So, um, you know, the pressure is on, man, because you got to top yourself every year. Um, how do you do that? I mean, do you like toss and turn and break into a cold sweat, you know, laying in bed at night trying to think, what can I possibly do now? You know, because you must feel every time you finish one bow, like, you know, like you said, this is it. You know, this is the ultimate. And then, like, two weeks later, your boss is probably saying, like, well, good job, Yaley. What do you got for 2011? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's part of it. Well, the one thing is I, I don't really stress over it. Um, uh, some people, you know, that question actually comes up quite a bit. It's like, how do you think of the next thing? You know, that kind of stuff. But one thing that really, that we always, that I always have going for me is, um, you know, I'm actually at work probably an average of 10 or 11 hours a day. Um, so you can get a lot done in that amount of time. And then also, of course, when I go home at night, that's pretty much all I think about. Um, so you're, so trying to, you're trying to, are you bucking for a raise here? Are you trying to tell me Botech's getting No, no, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that by uh, <laughs> committing that much time to it, it's it's not as difficult as maybe as it seems because if you've got that much time and energy to spend on one specific subject, you can you can you can do some stuff, you know. Um, but uh, I don't stress over it either. I, I'm afraid if if I ever did stress over it, uh, it would be counterproductive. So I I keep fun. Of, I I mean I love archery. Been in it since since I was probably two. I've been bow hunting since I was 12, and I just, uh, it's my passion. So for me, uh, it just comes naturally. You just try and keep keep improving, keep keep your eye on the ball. Always, you know, always got to keep understanding what the consumer wants, where the market's going, and then also have in hand what's, you know, what technologies are available, what are the new materials out there, um, what's the new software you can use for doing this or that, and put it all together and, uh, I'm never short of ideas. It's yeah, and we talked boiling we, them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we talked a little bit. Uh, I, I did find out from spending some time with you. Uh, Craig is a is a Wisconsin boy, so he grew up in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. uh, grew up, you know, obviously as a as a whitetail hunter out in Wisconsin. So, you know, you're right there, sort of in that mainstream of the bow hunting market. And and you've, like you say, you've not only uh, worked it, but you've lived it for you know oh, yeah. twenty, twenty-five years or so, or or whatever. So um, longer than that. <laughs> About that, we'll leave it at that. Oh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> That's just you've got a couple of years on me, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I mean, do you find as a obviously as a as a passionate bow hunter, do you find that uh, a lot of your ideas? Uh, for the new bows or improvements, do they come to you, you know, like in the office or more so when you're sitting in a tree just, do you know, letting your mind wander? Uh, I would say they, 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 that, you know, sometimes they do come to me while sitting in the tree. Um, certainly, a lot of the ideas, of course, come to me when I'm in the office or when I'm sitting at home or whenever I'm, when I'm doing whatever, but definitely a lot of them are formed by experiences in the field for sure you know, if if you haven't been there and done that some you, it's difficult i think for any anybody to understand what what a bow hunter needs and wants if you're not a part of the market yourself you have to, i mean so i i'm completely immersed in in archery um whether it's competitive shooting or bow hunting or whatever i mean it's it's pretty much you know my life and that's if you're going to be a 
uh, you know, a successful archery, a designer for a successful archery company, I think uh, one of the key attributes you have to have is you have to live it. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something you could do as a, you know, it's not just a job you go to. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, you know, that's been another kind of cool thing I know for you, moving from the Midwest out to the West Coast uh, to take this job with Botech, you've had a chance to uh, chase some some elk out there and, and blacktails and maybe even some bears. And you've kind of become, uh, at least you were bragging up to me anyway, that you're a fairly, no, you're, 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 you're a fairly accomplished <laughs> blacktail hunter now, aren't you? <laughs> blacktails I can do. No, I definitely wasn't bragging about the elk or anything because they pretty well kicked my butt most of the time. I'm you the did manage to take a pretty nice bull, though, didn't you? I took one good five-point bull so far since I've been here in five years of hunting. Uh, the cool thing about that was I actually had my five-year-old son, who's now seven. He was uh, sitting right next to me when that bull came in. He watched the whole thing unfold and got to got to watch it, the shot at five yards, which is really cool. So that was one, definitely one of the highlights. And, and yeah, and you also told me a pretty good story about a, a, a black bear hunt that you had. You were, right, sitting out in the forest calling, right, making like a yep. a predator call, and you had a pretty big black bear uh, sneak in to like within 10 feet of you, and when you turned around, well, he was basically standing there deciding whether you would taste good or not, right? <laughs> yeah, that's those are... That that happens in Oregon. I mean, that's actually the second bear I've had within ten feet. But yeah, and uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, a, quite a change up from the uh, Wisconsin woods. Or, of course, Wisconsin obviously has plenty of bear, but uh, it's uh, it's the western hunting experience though is definitely uh, it's great. And the blacktail, uh, it's kind of Oregon's best kept secret out here. I, I love hunting blacktails as much or more than whitetails and. Most people, you know, they don't hear a lot about blacktail hunting. Uh, it doesn't get the press that elk and whitetails and mule deer and everything do. Blacktail deer is a fantastic trophy, great hunt, a lot of fun. What is it? A about, lot of trophy potential out here. What is it about blacktails that you say you like it better than whitetails? A different way of hunting, different way that they behave. Or what What are you talking about there? I think part of it is that I I I grew up, especially when I was a, a a younger hunter, I guess, a, a kid following my dad around and hunting uh, kind of big woods in, in Wisconsin. So you're hunting public land, and uh, the opportunities back then weren't weren't very good, um, but it was fun, and the, the mystique was there, and, and it, it sort of the old mystique to, of, of bow hunting was always what drew me in. So when I, when I came out here, um, we've got these big expanses of public land, and the difference between hunting the big expanses of public land here in Wisconsin is that here the age class of the deer is excellent. And so when you go out there and you you hunt blacktail for a week on public land out here, um, you have a, a very good chance. If, if you kind of know what you're doing, you have a very good chance of shooting a really nice a book, buck. Um, and so it's kind of like the same kind of hunting I was doing when I was a kid and what drew me in originally, except that now I actually have a chance of shooting something nice. So that's kind of what part of it. And then the other thing is, of course, the scenery out here is, is it's, it's good. The, the woods at that time of year, which they rut in early December, end of November, uh, they're kind of dark and creepy and it's always foggy. It's, there's, it's the whole, the whole, uh, experience is quite a bit different than any other style of hunting 
I've I've had really good luck on the blacktails. You know, it's it's much. a magic time. That's what you're saying, and and yeah, so. So, yeah, I missed that whole rut period, you know, when we were out there. You did, I believe, if I recall, you know, you did extend the invitation if I ever wanted to come out there. And now that you just reminded me that they don't rut until late late November or early December, that means I can still do my Illinois rut hunt and have time to get to Oregon with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and these, these bucks, you should do that. And these bucks don't see the pressure that whitetails typically do. So they're they're... No, for most of the year, they're just sort of inherently nocturnal. That's just the way they are, um, as opposed to whitetails, which go nocturnal under pressure. But once the rut kicks off, uh, they get a little stupid, and they'll cruise. When you get good overcast days or rain, they'll cruise all day. You can, you know, it's not like a whitetail hunt where most of your action happens in the morning or in the evening. You, you can, you got a good chance the whole day. Uh, it could happen any time. There's lots of really good age class deer around. It's a it's a trip. It's a, it's, it's a great hunt. It's definitely a sleeper. So if you get a chance, you, know, you got to come out and try it. Well, there you have it, kids. You get your Botech Destroyer. You get yourself out to the Pacific Northwest, the wilds of Oregon. And you can chase oh, yeah. yourself some blacktail, some rutting blacktail bucks. A pre-Christmas getaway. Look 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 into it. Well, listen, man. Going. I... Uh, I'm glad we had a chance to catch up today. I think it's uh, great that you were able to tell folks about the Destroyer and, and also a little bit about yourself. Like you said, if you're going to be in this business, you really have to live it. And I think people appreciate the fact that, you know, when they're in the market for a bow, you know, if they're looking at a bow tech, they know that, you know, this wasn't just a top-notch, you know, numbers cruncher and engineer you know guy who's good on the computer here but he's out there uh you know he's just as passionate about getting out in the woods and uh filling his tags as the rest of us are so that's awesome man yeah <laughs> yep hunting is you know it's, it's uh definitely uh a key uh criteria we look for in uh most you know we've got a ton of hunters here at, at Botech, and so we've got all kinds of you know, input, practical input from any number of people. Everybody here, just, well, not, not everybody, but just about everybody here, you know, has, has done some bow hunting or is very into hunting. So it's uh, it's a resource to pull on for sure. Yeah, Helps that's, us. that's great. And, uh, you know, I will say this before we wrap it up. Uh, I, I can't really say too much because Craig made me sign a bunch of papers. I think I have to give him my firstborn and my 401k if I say too much. But I did get a sneak peek at uh, some of the things that you guys have sort of cooking for uh, 2011. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, folks are going to want to stay tuned uh, to some of those things as well because it, it looked to me like you had uh, – you know, that the innovation that's been happening at Botech over the last few years is just going to keep on rolling into uh, next year. So um, can you give can you give folks any idea as to what the time frame might be when they, they might see some, some new stuff from you guys? Oh, I can't say too much. Um, I don't think we'll be too too far off of our usual um, our usual time frame. So. Which is uh, when, do, when do you guys typically put out your, we, your new models? We typically... Yeah, we typically do our launch sometime anywhere as early as October 1st to as late as maybe November 1st. Gotcha. So somewhere in that time frame, you probably expect some interesting stuff. 
So right around the time that whitetail hunting is heating up, that that's when that's when folks should be on the turning on their radar for some some new stuff out of the, the Bowtech boys. Yep. All course, right. Of man. course, that shouldn't keep you from buying a destroyer. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Got uh, to make the plot. I was going to say the t- 2011 products aren't going to do you any good in 2010. So, yeah, if you need a rig now, True. if you need a rig now, you know that's. That's your destroyer. Well, listen, man, right. I really appreciate it. It was it was good catching up with you. It was awesome, you know, chasing those turkeys with you last month. And like you said, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again soon, huh? Yeah. Appreciate you calling and uh, and, and chatting. So, and really appreciate you guys coming out. It was, uh, it was a great trip. And uh, really, if you want to come out and do that black tail one, I'm serious, look me up you got all my contact information. But, I know where to find you, uh, man. And know where to find you. Me. Anytime you want to have me out, I'll be there. So thanks again. Have a great afternoon, a great weekend, and uh, keep in touch, okay? All right, you too. Thanks, Christian. Yep, bye-bye. Right, bye now. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio with editor Christian Byrne. For more information on this and other topics, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.